Drive, live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome in, and a new week is upon us. February 28, 2022, the final day of the worst month of the year. Yes, I will editorialize when I tell you the date today. I'm not some kind of uh, wishy-washy radio host. Doesn't have strong takes. The worst month of the year. Although it kind of wasn't as bad this year as it usually it's is. Actually but the, pretty good. The worst generally month of the year is about to end, and we enter into the uh, into one of the better months of the uh, the year here in a little under 24 hours. Yeah, and the state of Nebraska is about to turn another year older. That's right. It's almost All, almost statehood your, day. Almost your birthday, Nebraska. Let's see. So 1869, 1869, 100. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Well, much. we celebrated the sesquicentennial back in 2019, 2018. What was it? How well, old it's is on Nebraska? nine. It's at six, 1869. 1869. So you can do the math from I, there. But I, I can't, don't. though, is the thing. <laughs> Where's my... 1867. <laughs> 1867. Wow, that's what so I said. you were getting it wrong. That's what I initially. said. 18. I think University of Nebraska is 1869. That's my bad. So we're looking at uh, University 155. of Nebraska is 1869. So we're looking at 155. 155. What do you get? Someone? What is the precious metal associated <laughs> with a 155th birthday? Gold with diamonds encrusted all over it. Is that what it is? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> that doesn't exist. It's not. That's probably not a thing. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, we're in March. We're gonna be. Uh, we're gonna hit seventy or get very close to it. Three of the next four days. So there's that. I've got the cargo shorts on, belt buckled. I don't know why I would. My belt's always buckled, regardless of the weather. <laughs> I mean, once I sit down here, at least. <laughs> it's not like you're on your third plate at Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, it's warm. Better. I mean, I did eat well this weekend, but yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, it was a good weekend. It was, it was a very, it was a good weekend here. Uh, I had a good weekend, at least in the, in the capital city, but never hurts to have that one moment a year that Nebraska men's athletics has now become famous for where they'll be <laughs> frustrating. Joy frustrating break your heart 99.9 percent of the year well 364 days out of 365 and then there's that one day there's that one day and that one game where those teams will just absolutely combine all the joy and success that you missed out on the rest of the year into a small two to three hour period to the point that it almost feels like a little much (laughs) <laughs> that's what Nebraska men's basketball had last night against Penn State. Literally, everything went perfectly. Everything went perfectly. It was going so well for Nebraska that one of the Penn State players who was having his senior day and has played a long, mm-hmm. very good career at Penn State kind of broke down during the game. Mm-hmm. Because of what Nebraska basketball was doing, because they were playing so perfectly. Well, there was a there was a stretch in the second half where it was like, okay, Nebraska really doesn't have to do anything; just don't get sloppy. And then there was like a bad turnover, and you're like, uh oh, is yeah. it going to get sloppy? 
And then they got it right back and went to the other end and got an and one. It's like, are you telling me Nebraska basketball is in a place where they can have a bad turnover and then immediately take it away and get instant success on the other I side? I mean, the threes went up and were just, I mean, it was... That was that big, you know what hoop that Fred was talking uh-huh. about. They were all, they were all going in, and Nebraska rolls Penn State. Probably could have done it at one point. Like four minutes left in the end of the game, and Nebraska's up by twenty-eight or or something like that. Uh, I I don't know if it was Verge or uh, uh, Trey or who it was. I can't remember right now. But I'm sitting in my living room watching the game, and they're wide open from the corner, and I'm like, shoot it! <laughs> I'm like, what is happening to me? <laughs> I'm I'm yelling I'm yelling at them for not taking threes. Right. He's like, I don't care point. who it is at this point. Just put it up. <laughs> right. <It's, laughs> it was, uh, and you can go back. Nebraska football had the moment for both teams for this last year in October. Against November, or against <laughs> against Northwestern, and the year before, Nebraska football also had that moment when they went to Maryland and played Maryland, and so it's just it's just this bizarre thing toward the end of seasons that aren't going that well, where just everything works out completely. Have we started the petition yet for all Nebraska road games to be played at Penn State? Well, it's an intimidating atmosphere. The I, I mean. The the three to four hundred people that fill that stadium are raucous. I'll tell you that. Fred Hoiberg has two road wins, both at Penn State. Both at Penn State. Both at Penn State. Does wait? Now we got to start asking the question: Does Fred Hoiberg own Penn State? <laughs> it begs the question. I uh, you better not be scheduling you know Nebraska on your senior day because I realize this may be the you know the once annual time. That I get to do that. I I cosplayed um, a fan of a dominant a dominant team always last night. <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, you were off the rails. I bragged about my favorite team for a good hour straight, hour two hours, for the most part, and it was fun. It's it it's you know, it's kind of a little role playing, one would say. So anyway, that was uh, that was good. Good weather is uh, is is really nice. Had uh, had the Caleb Henry family over to my house on on Saturday night. That was a had, lot of fun. Had the kids play. Made some tacos for them. Uh, Ka- Millie learned to play the piano, which that she had a lot of fun. Yeah, with. she's a future musician. She got to sit <laughs> behind our our piano, and I got to we we had to. We had to warm her up a little bit, but by the time when the night was over, she was walking up to people and asking them to dance with her while we were yeah. basically doing a request line Friday in my living room. Watched, uh, we pulled up the Strive TV, watched Waverly punch a ticket watched to Watched Waverly, get stayed. Al- although for about two minutes, we were cheering against you, Waverly. We're very sorry. Your dance team just did not cut it against Sydney. <laughs> Sydney had a great dance, Steve. No, no, you're great. You're fine. You're you're fine. So uh, shout out. I, I know a lot. Of, I've known a lot of those kids in on that Waverly team. Well, one in particular since he was in diapers. So congrats. I'm glad to see a little. I'm hoping we get your, some. Your stories about your connections to everyone is always so weird. Everyone's like, well, he ran around naked in my backyard. <laughs> now he's going to state. <laughs> Wait wait till next week comes. Wait till next week comes. So, yeah, good to see a ticket punched. I'm hoping we get some Lincoln representation. Yeah. Um, It's now down outside of A. I think it's now down to 
Parkview Christian. So mm-hmm. in the boys, in the boys had it. Lincoln Lutheran girls are going though. So that's. Yeah. The, I'm not worried about Lincoln representation in the girls bracket. No, it's where the girls teams are. Where are you going to get in the boys? And that kicks off today. Now the yep. nice thing is because you've got a bunch of two seeds, they at least get a play today at home. Right. It's right. it's after today that you might have know. to be I'll on be the there. Road. I'll be there tonight on uh, 1000 South 70th Street. Uh, so there you go. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more, of course, as we get uh, down there. Hey, one thing I thought on the local front that was interesting, um, news came out this weekend about uh, about a study that has been going on uh, trying to figure out what exactly the impact and what the need is of for Lincoln to have a just a legit convention center mm-hmm. with convention center space. And and just to take you back a while, back to like time like, before. Like a, a dedicated convention yep. center, not like going and using Pinnacle Bank Arena. Yeah, or, or not, not, or not or using the, the Cornhusker yeah. or something like that, which Cornhusker is a really good convention center. But, and that was a decision that was made back when there were, there were discussions about funding the arena, right? Pre-2013. Mm-hmm. And... The the price tag, there was a little sticker shock, I think, when people were, were talking about the entire project. You had to get it passed on the vote. Um, and so I think to kind of sweeten the deal and to help that process out for people who are concerned about the price tag, they pulled the convention center out of the original plan. Remember, the original plan that was out there had a convention center as well. I remember one of the really old videos, the first videos that came out um, had a artist like rendering of a drone flyover and, and the arena looked nothing like it does so it was supposed uh, but to be... added a convention center connected okay. to it that so was pinnacle that was arena and plan. convention center yep. essentially they, they then pulled that out um but 10 years later the game has changed uh in the convention center world, world because i mean carney carney's playing games with conve- i mean yeah i mean they're in the game i should say york you got all these all these towns that are um really competing really well that are smaller towns with Lincoln for convention centers. Well, uh, yeah, a lot of the the towns that are Lincoln size, a little bit smaller, have figured out you can bring in a bunch of tourism by having great convention centers, enough space for that, enough hotel rooms, right? Um, and by having the the youth athletic facilities mm-hmm. to be able to bring tournaments exactly. to your exactly. If you combine those two things, you don't have to be in. Omaha or a Minneapolis or a St. Louis, Kansas City. You yeah. don't have to be the large, giant metropolitan areas. Right. Um, you don't even necessarily have to be the size of Lincoln if you can have great convention centers and the the youth athletic facilities. So right now, Lincoln's actually a little bit behind in both of those. Yeah. Uh, Carney is the first one that comes to mind with Car- what you're talking Car- about. Carney has been phen- uh, phenomenal, and the big part about that is I-, I lived there for a while, so I was able to see how much they were putting together. The university has been expanding there, so they've been able to to add some spaces that people want to come visit. Um, but really, you have to get into the hotel district, the part that's down by the interstate, where a lot of more where a lot more people are familiar with Carney. Right. If you've gone there for anything, you probably just got off the interstate, stayed in a hotel, and then went wherever you did. A lot of years the Carney Snow Jam in that yeah, region. Oh, the Snow Jam, the good yeah. old Snow Jam. Um, but it's it's the uh, the Eunice family there yep. that is basically you call it the Eunice District of Carney because they have got all of the hotels there. That that's where you're going to have a wedding. And anyone who's having a wedding, it's probably down at the Eunice yep. Center. There are convention centers that are all right there for them. Um, and and that's what Carney is 
growing mm-hmm. for because they have those convention right. centers as a smaller as a smaller city, right. and that's what they are. And you and you talk about the combination of the convention centers and the the sports facilities too. York comes to mind as somebody who's done that well. But it, it, the the landscape has really changed since that decision was made. So, convention of visitors bureau. Um, uh, as uh, basically commissioned this study figure out um to figure out you know how what this could look like mm-hmm. what it should look like and none, i mean i don't think there's any doubt I, I i mean that there would be significant use for something like oh, this oh very much in lincoln i just think the question is right you know is the price tag do you have the money and, and then the other question is um where do you put it and these consultants identified five spots. This is interesting. Oh. So the five spots that they identified, um, the Cornhusker Marriott uh, area, not the actual Cornhusker Marriott, but it would be, which is right now, I would say, the it's the biggest one, right? I think it's mm-hmm. the biggest of the convention centers. We were just there for an event a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, beautiful space. Um, and so there's, there's some uh, buildings around there that are possible. Uh, the former Journal Star building. Mm-hmm. Which makes a lot of sense to me. Midwest Steel, um, which is an interesting one that I wouldn't have necessarily has of thought of. Um, so, so Midwest Steel is at. I want to get the right address here. That's like Eighth and N, about. Okay. Um, in that in that area. So that's more. Um, I guess that would be more in the South Hay Market, mm-hmm. sort of. Uh, so you got Midwest Steel, um, a little bit away, and then the downtown post office. Which may make the most sense of any, but here's the deal: post office is a federal building. You know how much red tape that puts in that whole process. <laughs> and then, and then the other one that's discussed is the Telegraph District, which also um, makes some sense because of what's going up there. But it's not really close to like hotels at this point. It's it's, it's just that's a really developing area right now, um, but in the early stages of development right yeah. now. But it sounds like this. This, according to these consultants, are saying this is probably at least a five-year process. Oh, anyway, for, even if even if you got going on it, but right, I thought that was really interesting. And here, here's the thing: for being a five-year process, that's already that's going to put you about ten years late to the game. Yeah. Um, when when you think about where convention centers, and obviously on Friday, Jeff Mall could probably talk more yeah. about this, but it, it it works the same way when you build a new high school or expand a high school. You don't do it. You don't want to do it. When you are at capacity, when right. you've got no room left, you want to do it where you have a little room left, but you're planning that that's going to fill up and you need to alleviate that. Right now, Lincoln is at that where think about where you do have some of those conventions held. If it is at Pinnacle Bank Arena, you've got some events there, but you've got something at the Cornhusker. You've got it at a few of the other places. Having a true convention center built strictly for that purpose, one, if you've got a weekend that was full before, now there's a space to go to. Mm-hmm. And some of these conventions, it's not just, oh, you've got one big convention hall. It's, oh, you can have three different events going on depending on how those rooms can be split up, or it's one big uh, big right. event. There's a lot of different things that you can do that can bring people and revenue to your and city. And the, the other thing is Lincoln is set up with hotels better than it, ha- than it, than it was yes. 10 years ago, by far. Mm-hmm this kind of a situation so yeah i don't know it's it, it, i understand there are costs involved and those need to be discussed and, and figured out but boy when it comes to what towns in this state what cities in the state are doing not just with convention centers but you mentioned it with with the getting you sports tourism really fired up 
um, and having great facilities Elkhorn's for been those. Doing a bunch up there. Great. Fremont's got an incred- a really yeah. good place up there. I mean, I could go down the list. And then just kind of like att- like attractions, things that are going to attract people. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, you could list. You, 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 and, and again, you're, people are going to say, "Jack, this is a you, you know, this is not the thing to be talking about here." But like, how many better water parks are there in Nebraska than in Lincoln? Well, I right? think I think about that when I went yeah. and played in a basketball tournament um, with uh, with Nebraska uh, um, with Mister Basketball, and when I was in high school, and we went to uh, Sioux Falls. Mm-hmm. There's a water park and go karts around there. It was a place that we went between games and like on one of your yeah. off days. Mm-hmm. How much of that when people come to Lincoln is there to go? Like, there's the mall, there's museums. Where are you taking a bunch of kids that come to town? Right. It's a so. It, I mean, uh, and maybe it's a bit of a niche thing, but it does seem like one that Lincoln has been historically a little behind on for whatever reason. And I've kind of clumped them all together. So interesting. Uh, so, what do you think? I'm curious. What you think the best uh, the best location would be for uh, for one of these? I, man, I think it's got to be that post office, but or the or that journal star printing site mm-hmm. too although traffic is a little wonky around there that might make it a little bit difficult but i would say one of those two right now where you've got the existing infrastructure businesses the draw that's already there right that i mean that's what i would say hopefully like somewhere said. close enough that you can use that event parking that's uh, across the pedestrian bridge from uh from yeah, pinnacle bank arena right there by haymarket that's true yep um, by the way, and uh, we'll shout out women's basketball too. I mean, I, didn't, I did not think the the men. Oh, we we I mean, already I, know. We kind of assume here at this point, but they played really well like, again yesterday in the second half. Oh, it's fun. It was a good. I was there at PBA. It was fun. Six twenty six KLIN. Waking up the capital city with the help of Nitro Cold Brew Coffee from Broken Rail Beverage Company. This is fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the sound off on LNK Today. Uh, just a couple of couple of quick notes. I didn't even mention it, but you, you probably heard Mark Vale is uh, on vacation this week. Uh, he is uh, out and about, and so we'll, uh, we'll look forward to having him back next week. But yeah, planned vacation for Mark. But he needs some R&R. Right, he needs a little. Honor. He should be he does. refreshed. He takes care of us and cheerful and uh, and ready to go when he gets back here on Monday. So he's thank off you. working on the uh, granddad jokes. Yeah, he's, he's restocking his <laughs> restocking his reserves with uh, yeah. It's a whole new jokes. generation of jokes. So uh, we'll have Carla here uh, doing the news here this week. So thanks to her for coming in uh, early and. Uh, Look forward to hearing her throughout the course of the week. And one other heads up, uh, Caleb and I at 710 are going to unveil our official predicted brackets for Munch Madness. We are now two days away from voting beginning in Munch Madness, okay? Two days away. And so Caleb and I are going to go through the bracket, and we're going to see how... Now, we should have... Well, we should have... Who we should have brought in for this, Caleb, is... Uh, our promotions director, Maria Hansen, who was uh, on the show with us on Selection Friday, because she did an incredible job last year yeah. picking the bracket. Oh, but didn't you end up tying her? I got second. Contest? You got second. She darling. got first. I got she second. Got Neither of us got the gift cards we were promised from our boss. <laughs> 
Just, wow. just saying. Wow, this is going to be, you're going to get called upstairs after the show. I hope so, and I hope my Green Gateau <laughs> gift card is, is waiting for me when I go up there. Yeah. As a heads up. There's going to be a slip of paper there, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, voting starts in two days. Munch Madness brought to you by University of Nebraska Federal Credit Union. Uh, so we're going to go over those coming up at 710 plus an update on our Ride United fundraising as well. But right now, I want to jump into the sound off because... Uh, right now we've got talks going on. I don't know how productive they're going to be guys, uh, but there are actually negotiations that are going on right now between the Russians and the Ukraine and the Ukrainians. Um, they, at first we're having a hard time deciding exactly where these negotiations would happen. Um, you know, was it going to happen in, in Warsaw? Wasn't going to happen in Belarus? Where, where do you do it exactly? Both, both sides wanted territories that were more friendly to them. They ended up settling on essentially the Ukrainian border with Belarus still in Ukraine. Um, and, and agreed essentially to, um, keep, keep air traffic out of that, obviously to, to keep that safe and hopefully that, is actually the case with this entire thing but the question is are these two sides anywhere close enough at this point to actually come to some sort of an agreement take a listen even as peace talks are beginning things are still exploding here all across ukraine and those talks are just getting underway. It looks like the Russians are going to ask for a surrender immediately of all Ukraine forces. And Ukrainians are likely to ask for a ceasefire and also for Russians to pull back. Now, there still has been heavy fighting, not just here in the capital, but also in the city of Kharkiv as well. Some heavy street fighting going on there. And also the ruble is taking a huge hit, down 40% since this crisis began. The sanctions, you know, which many people mocked, are really taking a big hit on Russia, and that ruble could really collapse even further today. Um, yeah, some... Uh, the the footage waking up this morning is uh, is not not good. It There's a lot of ugly stuff happening uh, right now in terms of casualties in Ukraine from fighting, <clears throat> fighting over the course of the last um, 24 hours or so. And if that if if those are the positions, right? If if it's okay, you know, Russia wants them to surrender, which obviously, obviously, Ukraine's not coming to the table and being and saying, "Well, okay, yep, all right." We hadn't thought of that at this point, and Ukraine is saying, "Completely stop what you're doing." Uh, Russia obviously is not considering that at this point. I, I, I'm not sure if the negotiations are not any more. Um, if there's not any more sort of, and I hesitate to use this word because of association with Ukraine in the past, but if there's not more quid pro quo here between the two, this does not, I mean, this sounds like a huge non-starter at this point. Because it, from Ukraine's position, I mean, w- you know, what What do you want? Do, do you want to bind yourself and say, hey, we promise never to get into NATO? Because I know that's something that Russian... Russia would would like that's part of what they would like to see with things would they turn over some of the separatist areas of the country I mean those are some of the more nitty-gritty details outside of that uh, you lay your arms down you get out of the country that sort of a situation now yesterday um, of course beyond the 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 fighting the invasions um, that were in Ukraine that were happening the other huge story out of Moscow was that Putin is essentially putting its country on 
high preparation alert for nuclear weapons. Reports out of Moscow that Putin is ordering Russia's nuclear readiness to be elevated. So I checked in with some National Security Council folks and they are directing me to a statement from last month that Russia signed on to that says in part, we affirm that a nuclear war cannot be won and must never be fought. If not nuclear, there is now growing concern about the possibility that Putin could eventually resort to using chemical weapons. Yeah. But, you know, un- unfortunately, you don't know. You you don't know where he is exactly. And the result of this is going to be other countries, including the United States, doing the same thing to be ready at this point. And all of a sudden... It feels like a story out of 1983. It feels, remember the movie War Games? DEFCON 1, DEFCON 2, we talked about it just last week on the show. Um, but that that when that happened yesterday and I was reading some of the things about the United States doing the same thing to get ready, it was like a flashback to that time. And there's a lot of you who are listening to me that remember that even better than I do at this point. And yeah, the thought is, I mean, I don't know that I don't think Russia and Putin want nuclear war. I don't think the people around him want that. But then there's also a question, which is when he's backed into a corner, what do you do just to save face and and for his own pride in this whole thing? And that's that's the scary question out of this whole thing. I don't want to over overreact because I don't listen. Russia does not want any part of a war against the U.S. and NATO countries. I mean, you you can saber rattle all you want, but deep down, there's no way they want anything like that. And I think they'll tailor their aggression to be careful of that. And they know they know what the response is going to be generally with the invasion of Ukraine, with Ukraine not being a NATO country. But I think there was also a miscalculation by Russia, by Putin, about just how unified much of the world would be, just how unified the NATO countries would be, just how, I mean, how unified even Americans would be. What is the last, what is the last time on any issue, domestic, foreign, culture war, whatever it is, that there were so many of us, Democrat, Democrats, Republicans, independents, young, old, that even while they may not agree on the specific policy steps taken that are best to take, they agree in principle with the philosophy of the whole thing that that what Russia is doing is is wrong in contravention of international law and needs to be responded to in some way by by the United States. I I, I can't remember. I mean, you probably have to go back and, uh, since the end of 9-11 that we've had this much bipartisan agreement on much of anything. And, and there are certainly exceptions and there are there are weird exceptions out there, <laughs> to be honest. But but beyond those, I th- I think that's part of what was underestimated in this whole thing. Not only not only the whole world, NATO, all of these other things, their response to things that they're doing, but even the response within these countries in the United States in in particular. Um, and, of course, the United States response 
to the saber-rattling about nuclear weapons was as follows. The Biden administration this morning is laser-focused on responding to Putin's elevation of his country's nuclear readiness posture. It is a threat so severe that leaders now across the world are really quite alarmed. Now, so far in the first days of this war in Ukraine, the president's team has repeatedly claimed they are not being taken by surprise by any of Putin's moves. President Biden remains committed to not allowing a single American boot to touch Ukrainian soil during this conflict, but he is making moves behind the scenes to ensure that Putin is feeling military pressure coming at him from every angle outside the country. Now, overnight, a spokesperson for the U.S. Army in Europe announced 4,000 U.S. troops are going to have their assignments extended. And that, and some of the responses, too, by the European Union countries has been uh, more significant in terms of still not putting boots on the ground necessarily, but to the point, you know, there's been a lot of discussion and, and actual sending of, of supplies and munitions and, and food and, and, and all those other things to support the effort and equipment. Uh, but now th- there are going to be actual aircraft that EU is going to help bolster the existing air force that Ukraine has. And so that was a, a big piece of news yesterday. Meanwhile, uh, UN is going to be holding a special session at the beginning of this week, which is really pretty unprecedented. And that special session at the United Nations, that's only the 11th time that's happened at the UN since 1950. They're expected to consider a resolution calling on Russia to leave Ukraine as American officials warn increasingly of the erratic behavior of Russian President Vladimir Putin. This weekend, Putin put his nuclear forces on high alert. Avoiding further escalation, the United States left its nuclear alert status unchanged. All right. Um, if you, I don't know if you guys watched any of the UN hearing that was going on at the time that you first had reports of of the attacks in Ukraine. What, what was that, last Thursday night? Man, it seems like a year ago, but whenever that was, last Thursday night, and the delegate to the UN from Ukraine just getting after the Russian delegate. Did you did you see any of that, Caleb? Yeah, that was and so, in, intense, because that, that was when the Russian delegate was saying, no, you've you've declared war on our country. Right. And, and was re- not holding back. Right. Yeah. So I assume you're probably going to hear more of that. Um, and probably that Ukrainian delegate will have a lot of support behind him from the other countries involved in the U.N. as well. Uh, meanwhile, the implications, of course, back home, uh, uh, one of them is increased energy prices. And we're st- you know, we've been dealing with that since even before this happened. But how much worse is it going to get? Oil prices hit an eight year high this week, briefly topping one hundred and five dollars a barrel. Nationwide, the average cost of a gallon of gas is three dollars and fifty nine cents, up from two sixty nine a year ago. And Russia's attack on Ukraine could drive those prices even higher. Russia is a major oil producer and there's fears of supply disruptions. Industry analysts believe gas prices could end up climbing to four dollars a gallon in the U.S. And here in California, we've already hit that mark. I just spoke to a driver here in Los Angeles who was paying $5.36 a gallon to fill up this morning. All right. I mean, we're still looking at, I mean, most places in Lincoln, from what I saw this weekend, the 330 range. Um, Not that that's not that that's good, but yeah. Are we looking at gas prices going back to where they were in the 2007 2008 2009 2010 area i mean there were i i remember there was a day during that time 
um, when I filled up gas in Lincoln for over $5 a gallon. I do remember that. Absolute so. worst time in history to be a high schooler dating someone <laughs> in a different town. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Oh, boy. Time to get a bike. <laughs> time to get a bike. I was not biking. So through all of this uh, that was going on, CPAC was happening, the uh, the conservative group with speakers finishing up with Donald Trump at the end of the weekend. But one of the things that made news out of this was the straw poll that they do in terms of which candidate they'd like to see represent that part of the uh, of the party and the movement in 2024. Now, the one on top won't surprise you, but some of the names below are interesting. Former President Donald Trump easily outdistanced the field in CPAC's poll. He garnered 59% of ballots cast. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was a distant second at 28%. The nearly 60% the former president tallied was down a bit, though, from the 70% he got at last year's event in Dallas. DeSantis topped the second poll without Trump figured in, which with 61%, he easily bested a field that included former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Donald Trump Jr., and South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem. Gernal Scott, Fox yeah, News. That, that's the interesting thing about this. Three and four in that. Trump and DeSantis, I think, not surprising mm-hmm. in any way. But three and four were Pompeo and Trump Jr., they were three and four in that whole thing. Yeah, the the Trump Jr. one surprises me. The, then the other the other thing that I thought was interesting in this was part of that uh, poll also was asking who they believed the CPAC attendees believed that the twenty twenty four Democratic nominee will be. Twenty two percent think it will be. Uh, it's not Biden. You have any guess who they think it'll be? If not Biden, this is the this is the plurality of this vote. Biden was third. Can you, is, can it you, Tul- is it Tulsi Gabbard? No, no. Who they think? No, she's not. She was speaking there. They don't yeah, think yeah, she's, she's going to be doing there. a bunch of Republican she doesn't stuff. Think, <laughs> you have any? They think two people are more likely. Leary and Gaylor Bear. No, no. <laughs> but both of them are female. Okay. Who are Who are we looking at? Hillary Clinton and Michelle Obama were the two people. Man, we are to the point. The, that's where- who they think that will. They will be facing politics so. is doing the NFL head coaching me. thing of just recycle anyone who's been around. Yeah. It's true. Um, let's see. Do we have time for one more? Yeah, you can do one go? more. Let's, 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 I'll allow it. We saw that the C, we talked on on Friday about the fact that there was expectation that CDC was going to make an announcement about mask guidance, kind of catch up to what a lot of the states are already doing, and they did, in fact, do that. The CDC relaxing its mask recommendations for most of the country as it focuses less on COVID case numbers and more on cases of severe illness and hospital capacity. CDC Director Dr. Walensky. Now, as the virus continues to circulate in our communities, we must focus our metrics beyond just cases in the community and direct our efforts toward protecting people at high risk for severe illness and preventing COVID-19 from overwhelming our hospitals and our healthcare systems. Under the new guidance, which applies to schools as well, communities in green or yellow, meaning low or moderate COVID activity, can use their own discretion when it comes to mask wearing. That's currently about 70% of the U.S. population. In Atlanta, Charles Watson, Fox News. By the way, I looked up Lancaster County on their website. Mm -hmm. Green. Good. Green. I've got to train my mind again to, uh, I mean, I still, that moment I get 10 feet away from my car, I'm like, oh, oh, wait, <laughs> no, oh, no. 
face scan works when I'm paying with my phone again. Oh, awesome. This is a delight. Seeing smiling faces. I miss that. And uh, a week of school in the books here at LPS with kids uh-huh. not having to wear masks as well. All right, 656, we will take a break. It's LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome back on a Monday morning, 709, February 28th, the last day of the month. Glad to have you on this Monday. And uh, we've got our morning driver. We're going to count down the five things people are talking about today. Uh, Mark Vale off today, by the way. He's going to take a week and be back next week. When we get the state tournament getting going, so the brackets are going to be hot and heavy for a few days. But the bracket, everyone in Lincoln is. We're going to fill about. out all those, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can do that too. We can do the, that too. All twelve brackets for the week. But the bracket uh, in Lincoln that people are talking about right now is the, of course, much madness bracket brought to you by University of Nebraska Federal Credit Union. The thirteenth year. Voting starts March 2nd at KLIN.com. Here's how it's the going Baker's to work. Bakers We're going to do a set of four, right, four matchups every uh-huh. day in the first round. And we're um, they're grouped by region, northwest, southwest, northeast, southeast. And so we'll do the voting of the regions at once. So northwest, you're up first mm-hmm. on Wednesday with this whole thing. And, and before I dive too far uh, into our predictions, I do want to remind people that uh, if you want to, we would love, 20 people have done it so far, if you would love to, uh, or if you would like to support one of the restaurants a different way other than voting for them in the bracket and make a donation on their behalf to Lincoln Ride United, this is the partnership between United Way uh, and DoorDash and the Food Bank of Lincoln, you can do that at KLIN.com. Just click on the Munch Madness link. There's a little Ride United link, some more information about the program, helping food in secure people who are not mobile for a variety of reasons in the capital city and whichever restaurant has the most donations in their name they are uh, we're going to give them uh, a two thousand dollar advertising package from from kli and right now if it ended today soulful cocina is going to get that advertising package that's how it stands right now they've um they've built up a pretty good lead they've donated um over 250 dollars so far. Now, it's still very early. This is going to go on for the next right. month. I know um, exactly what Soulful would do. They would try to buy out Rick Stein recognition for the text line. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't know if that's that contractually available, but we'll, 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 uh, we'll see. But uh, second place right now is La Paloma. Uh, in the on the fundraising contest, third is Art and Soul and Taco in there, tied for third. And then you got Momo Sultans and Sultans Kite, who are tied for uh, would be fifth at this point. And so, this is a great way. It's a great way to help out. It's if you're a restaurant, and you're listening right now. There are a bunch of you who've got a zero by your name. Um, go make sure tell tell your patrons, tell folks, hey, go ahead and do this if you want to support us in in a different way. Even if we go out of Munch Madness mm-hmm. fairly early, you don't have to win Munch Madness. You go out on day one, you can still win this thing and also do some real good for Ride United, which I think is a really innovative cool program that these organizations have gotten together to do. So you can do it there, you can do it by text, uh, however you want to. But I do want to mention that uh, Soulful Casino right now out front coming coming on strong. Could that be? a harbinger of what we see in the actual bracket by the way i have forwarded you uh the days that we have all the matchups oh okay yeah, so, yeah, so so let, let, let's just to, to run that down for people if they're they're wondering here um the first day here uh of voting will be wednesday and can you just do you have that up right now yeah i do because i'm uh, yep on oh here it is i got it now oh, okay good sorry job. <laughs> good job everybody 
All right, so day one is going to be your uh, Northwest. That's on Wednesday at KLIN.com. Laszlo's versus Via Amore, Mr. Wee's versus Big Red Restaurant, Lead Belly versus Rosie's, and Vincenzo's versus Taste of Louisiana. Those places be on alert to get the vote out for Wednesday. Thursday, we continue in the Northwest, the second half of the Northwest bracket, Toast versus Bonwich Cafe, Virginia's Traveler's Cafe versus Shoemakers, Yaya's versus Hoya, Hoya. I'm so Hell yeah. <laughs> the oven. I think that's how they said we're supposed to pronounce it, okay. right? The Oven versus Genoa Food Co. in in Malcolm. So that is your Northwest. It's Wednesday and Thursday. We'll continue to preview and give you the rest of them. Why don't we break? Why don't we start with that Northwest side? Okay. Uh, your one seed there is Laszlo's. Your two seed there is The Oven. Your three seed is Virginia's Traveler's Cafe, and your four seed is Vincenzo's. Do you have a top four seed coming out of that bracket? Just a yes-no question here to start. Yes. You do. I can tell I you I, I have a top four seed coming out of every bracket. Well, your bracket's going to be wrong. That never, That basically never happens Good. because my seedings are garbage. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I can uh, tell you I do have a top four seed going down in the first round. Which one do you have going down? I have a taste of Louisiana over Vincenzo. I do too. I do too. I've that is my. Yeah, I actually I have I have a couple of double digit upsets. I've got Taste of Louisiana taking down Vincenzo's. I got Genoa Food Co. Do you have Genoa Food Co. taking down the oven? I have Genoa Food Co. getting a couple wins. <sighs> me, me too. So I got the four and I'm, the two going. I've maybe down. been swayed a little bit from Selection Friday. I'm I'm pretty much chalk. Uh, after that, I've got uh, Laszlo's advancing in the first round against Via Amore. I've got Lead Belly as the five seed beating Rosie's. I do have Bonwich Cafe. That's a double digit seed. Right. Do you have Bonwich Cafe or Toast? I've that got was a hard one. I've got Toast. Okay, we, um, we, I do have Big Red over Mister Huiz. Um, I do too. That's an eight, nine. Okay. So let's go to your final four in the Northwest. Let's just go down the, go down the line from the top. Do you have Laszlo's in the savory 16? I have Laszlo's over a taste of Louisiana and Genoa food co over toast. We have three of the four the same. (laughs) I have Laszlo's over taste of Louisiana. I've got Genoa food co out of over Bonwich cafe. Okay. So we are the same, but you got Laszlo's knocking off Genoa. That's correct. To get in the final fork. I'm going to take Genoa Food Co. all All the way. And here's why. Here's why. The way they showed up, of course, on on Selection Day. Um, I know Malcolm's getting really behind him. I have friends who live in Malcolm who have let (laughs) me know about this. And there, a lot of times, these restaurants that are outside of Lincoln are able to do a better job at kind of galvanizing support. Here's the thing, though. By the time we get to that point, this is where you see Lincoln people start to just jump on Lincoln restaurants. That's and true. it becomes Lincoln against outside of Lincoln. Wow, we have the exact three out of the four. Boy, we're almost <laughs> we're almost the same there, but I have Genoa Food Co. So, yes, I have a 15 seed going to the final fork there. All right. I like it. So look at the Southwest. Top four seeds in the Southwest, Muchachos, Green Gateau. Uh, number three is Billy's, and number four is Piedmont Bistro. Those are your top four seeds. Do you have one of the top four seats winning the whole thing? Winning the winning, winning that, that region. Winning that yes. region. I do too. Okay. So, b- any big upsets that you want to point out in the uh, in the first round? Um, I've got Mary Ellen's over Lee's I chicken. I do too. That's a twelve five. And then I have them beating Piedmont in the second round. Okay, I've got Piedmont beating them. That, I mean, th- that's the biggest upset that I've got. This one's a little bit more chalky um, for me. I do have Tina's Cafe, who made the Eat 8 last year, 
uh, beating nine South Chargrill. See, I got nine South in this one this time, and then I've got Tina's over Green Gateau. Okay, and uh, okay, so let's let's go your final four in that from top to bottom. You have Machachos. I've got Machachos over Mary Ellen's. Okay, and Tina's over Billy's. Um, Okay, so I've got Muchachos over Piedmont Bistro. Okay. And I've got Green Gateau over Sultan's Kite. Ooh, we've got a lot different here. A lot different there. And guess what? I think at some point, I think at some point people are going to say, you know what? We love Muchachos. We're going to continue to. But I think at some point people are going to say, we want to mix it up a little bit. I believe Green Gateau gets a berth in the final fork this year. I don't think we're there yet, I think and Muchachos goes tell. back to the final four. So I'll, t- I'll give the two seed. All right, over to the uh, northeast top right-hand side of your bracket. Let's just start with the uh, significant upsets that we may have in the first round. By the way, the one seeds are missed. The one seed is Misty's. Two is Honest Abe's. Three on that side is Isles. Four on that side is Tico's. Um, I'm looking at upsets here, Caleb, and I've got Soulful Casino beating Isles. I do as well. That, that 14-3. Again, you saw it for the fundraising. That's really my big... I've got, that's really about it for my Well, upsets. I have Soulful with a couple, and I have Misty's going down pretty early. Okay. Okay, so top, let's do the uh, final four in that region. Uh, who do you have, then, if you've got Misty's going down? Um, I've got HF Crave over Fat Jacks. Same exact... And then I have Soulful over Honest Abe's. I've got Abe's over Soulful. <laughs> so we have the exact same final fork. Who do you have coming out? HF Crave. I've got Abe's for the first time this year, for the first time making the Final Four. Because they fell short last fall, year. Falling short, they fall short in the burger bracket, and I, it just—I don't think that can keep going that long. But HF Crave does great in this tournament, and so your pick is is uh, is a solid one. And too. here's where I'm at, by the way, through three regions, three of my Final Fork. Made the final fork last yeah, year. See, I started going that way, and I was like, "That just." Didn't. I didn't look at the last last okay. year's bracket to make All that right. decision. So then, last but not least, let's go to the bottom right of your bracket to the southeast. Your one seeds there are your one seed is Momo, your two seed is Venue, your three seed is Fireworks, your four seed is Cactus. Your biggest upset on that side of the bracket first round. What uh, do you got? First round, I got Metal Metal Grill over. You got venue. Metal Grill taking Venue out right away. Stop. I also have stop Hallam Steakhouse winning in the first round over Denton Daily Double. Yes, that you're this where, bracket this that side of this bracket would be disastrous. Where for was you. Denton Daily Double on selection? They just they just thought they it's, were awarded it's into the going bracket. to be a disaster for you. You know what else I've got? What BG's best getting a win over Cactus. You, are, oh my goodness, you are picking. I mean, I love me some BG's best, but I okay. don't know. First how, year, how did Cactus get into the bracket? They got in via my sponsor's exemption. I don't think they would have got in otherwise. I have full chalk. I don't have one upset in that first in that first round in that bracket. I don't have one single upset. And that leads wow. me to my final four. Give me the one seed Momo mm-hmm. in that it, my final four in this region, I yes. should say. One seed Momo. Give me the five seed Denton Daily Double, who Caleb thinks is gone after day day one. <laughs> Give me the three seed fireworks over press box to get to make it to the sweet 16, uh, savory 16. And then another, Caleb has venue knocked off. I got venue. So I got Momo, DDD, fireworks, and venue. All right. Yeah. I have uh, Momo, Hallam, fireworks, and Penelope's Low Cafe. I'm, I'm a believer in Are what they did. Are you taking Penelope's la- all the way to the final four? I'm a believer in what the Low Cafe that could did last year. 
Are they? Have they? They threatened you with those chrome insects? Those? In, those? <laughs> Not yet. Okay. Just curious. I want Okay. Who, who? Who? Who do you have uh, in in the southeast region? So I've got I've got Venue and Momo advancing to the regional championship. And again, this is this is sort of the seems like they should have done it before thing. I think Venue gets think venue to the gets final there? fork this year. Yep. So my final fork would be Genoa Food Company Co. Excuse me, with a fifteen well, seed. Well, do, do you want to hear who I have? Out oh, of sorry. Southeast no, not really. But go ahead. I have Momo over Penelope's I Low Cafe. You're very predictable. Okay, thank you. This is, this is very fun. You're like the kid who just takes all the one seeds to the final four in their bracket contest. This is real fun. Yeah. Other than uh, that, five seed. I'll take yes. the fifteen. So my final fork: fifteen seed Genoa Food Co. The two seed Green Gateau out of the Southwest. The two seed Honest Abe's out of the Northeast and the two seed venue. So I have three twos and a fifteen. Okay, I've got the Northwest one seed Laszlo's, the Southwest one seed Muchachos, the Northeast five seed HF Crave, and the Southeast one seed Momo. And it, coincidentally, all four of those were last year's final four. You picked the exact same that, final four, and that was not on purpose. That's never going to happen. <laughs> All right. So who, who do you got? So in we the are guaranteed to have a different. We don't have. So we don't share any of the same final four. Laszlo's Muchachos, HF Crave, Momo. Yeah, no. Nope. And I got I got Genoa, Green Gateau, Abe's, and Venue. All right. All right. I like this. So I've got a championship of Green Gateau versus Honest Abe's. Your championship. I've got a rematch of last year's Muchachos and print HF off last Crave. Last year's bracket. I mean, unbelievable. Same thing. You think. <laughs> Well, I'm going to ask you first then, is it a repeat? My answer to that is yes. My answer to that is yes, it's a repeat. Muchachos goes back to back as we do the 64 wow. restaurant bracket here for wow. Much Madness. And by the way, HF Crave would be a two-time winner too. They won the original That's burger right. bracket. They, yeah, they, they would be looking for their first since the this field be, expanded. If but, that championship happened, no matter what, someone would be getting their second plaque. That's awesome. Uh, I've got... I'm going to tell you what, they've always been solid in this tournament. They've always been solid in this tournament, never gone all the way, made the final fork in the past. Um, I think Green Gateau is going to win it this yeah? year. Yeah? I've got Green Gateau winning the whole thing. Man, that would be phenomenal. And then maybe I would get twice as many gift cards as I'm owed from <laughs> a year ago. I would love to hear what you guys have. Uh, go ahead and fill out, print out the bracket, or we're going to fill it out online. Well, you can't fill it out online, but you print it out the bracket uh, and write down who you think. I would love to hear it and text them in. Serious, who your final fork would be. You could you let us know if it's your prediction or or what you really feel. Now, that's not how I fill this out. Because a bunch of these places I still haven't been to and I need to get to, yes. so I can't... Yeah, I, I fill this out based on how this I think prediction. the voting's going to go. Right. So you can do it at in our, our house when we did this. We do one of each. Uh-huh. We do one based on prediction. Last year we had about... We had 12 of these brackets hanging up on the fridge for everyone to look at. So, Well, and we do a yes. bracket prediction contest here at Broadcast House. Yep. We we filled those out last year, and I got I didn't second. know where I was going. This is just I just went through the ride, and that's where I ended up. See, that's, so we'll I, see. Can't, I can't help it that I so, ended up with proven winners. Will, I mean, my final fork is, is a lot of a final fork of restaurants that have done well but underperformed at the end, and I think this is the year that they get over the hump. I'm looking forward to it. And they got Malcolm it. coming strong.
Wednesday, voting starts. Voting start. Laszlo's Via Amora, Mr. Huy's Big Red Restaurant, Lead Belly versus Rosie's, and Vincenzo's versus T- Taste of Louisiana. Caleb and I have identified that as a very possible upset in the first round. Will Ooh. it happen? You can decide. KLIN.com starting on Wednesday. All right, 725. We'll take a break. Sell in K today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Before you hit that drive time, stay alert with Nitro Cold Brew Coffee from Broken Rail Beverage Company. This is 1499.3 KLIN. KLIN. And uh, just a quick reminder on a, on a fire that authorities are working with. The fire broke out. Around 4.30 uh, 2201 West Denton Road, uh, they are treating one person for injuries at this point, um, but uh, that is going on, and it could be in a time where there could be some significant shutdowns throughout the course of the morning and into the day as well. So that is your update there, and with that said, it is time to count them down with your morning drive, and let's get going with... Number five. Talks between Ukraine and Russia have started at the Belarusian border. News agency Reuters informed, quoting, and Ukrainian presidential advisor as Moscow's invasion of its neighbor reached day five. Ukraine has vowed not to give ground at talks with Moscow. It said their goal for the talks was an immediate ceasefire and the withdrawal of Russian forces from Ukraine. So as of now... Um I don't know. It, 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 we're getting some pictures that have come in from these meetings. There was a little bit of video before they had the press turn their cameras off. And I don't know. It's 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 hard to imagine that this is particularly productive because, you know, the, the sides are... Russia is essentially saying, okay, well, we want you to, to lay down your arms and quit resisting. And Ukraine is saying... We want you to leave. <laughs> and, I mean, if those are the linchpins of the negotiating points, what what good is a negotiation mm-hmm. at this point unless there's something... And I'm not saying... And believe me, I'm not saying Ukraine should be moving closer to the middle on this um, because you would understand why they want to defend their country and right. the the sovereignty of their country at this point. And so it... And and I don't know if Russia's putting on the table. I don't know. I mean, essentially, what else is Russia putting on the table saying they'll leave if this? My guess is some kind of assurances that Ukraine isn't going to join NATO. My guess is maybe something about the the so-called separatist areas of Ukraine and who controls those. Um, and I don't know if Ukraine is going to be willing. Even if Russia was, you know, putting that on the table... I don't right. know if that would be would be enough, but it's hard to it's hard to imagine that this is going to be. Now they did agree to sit down. They did have a big dispute on where it happened. They worked around that. Ended up decided to do it right near the Belarusian border uh, in Ukraine, and it's happening right now. And so we should probably we probably will be getting some more information on exactly what went down. But it's hard to be it's hard to be particularly optimistic about right this kind of a, an outcome and how how right how much on the offensive does russia come into the talk saying well we can we can send a lot more missiles we don't have to be sending ground troops well, and ukraine's going to come in and say this isn't going like you thought you did oh you, exactly you're not negotiating from the position of power exactly that you thought you were but on the other hand leading up to this russia spent a lot of time in kharkiv which is the second largest city in ukraine and guys i mean as as much as we've seen these 
videos and these pictures that have been and these stories that have been encouraging uh-huh. about this. A lot of the pictures that are coming out from this morning in Kharkiv are just brutal. Yes. They're I mean, the reality of 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 war even on social media starts to starts to set in here and it sounds like there's significant com- uh, civilian casualties that are going along with this and that's right in advance of this so we uh we um, did get some good news this morning as you and i were talking ahead of the show we had talked last week about those 13 ukrainians on snake island um who had told who said russian warship go blank yourself they did not die they have been been taken prisoner instead, right? So yeah. So you you had some people that, and you've seen it because this is what you've had over the last week is the most documented invasion of our lifetimes mm-hmm. because you have it in real time and what you're seeing in real right. time. And there are some people that are coming out of Ukraine, and you're seeing them become kind of heroes on social media. Mm-hmm. And that group of thirteen Ukrainian soldiers quickly came to fame, right? And and well, and again, a lot of those stories, a lot of those things are encouraging. But but there is a lot of devastation. Yeah, it, it's. I, I'm even telling myself this and trying not to get wrapped up too much in in that part of it. Right. And and some of it is kind of you know even some of it is the the ghost of Kiev thing and yeah. it's kind of almost based on on legend mm-hmm. to some degree, but. Nonetheless, it's there's a, a lot it's of a everyday situation. people being the, very impacted, I mean, and and doesn't even listen. Listen, this doesn't even. We didn't even mention the fact that Russia yesterday, Putin basically said, okay, and we're also going to uh, increase our readiness for basically nuclear weapons. Yes. Which the United, I thought maybe the next step, United States would announce something similar, but they haven't done that at this point, and. That sort of uh, escalation. The, the hard part about that is, obviously, Russia wants no part of a... I mean, I believe this. Russia wants no part of a, a war with NATO countries and, and the U.S. included. It it won't do well. Right. But on the other hand, how much... If Putin, how much... Does, if his back gets to the wall, does he say, well, forget it. We're all going to come out like losers in this. Well, there was one of the, the Russian state uh, news anchors, I believe, had said something along the lines of, you have the nuclear weapons. Why do we need the world if Russia is not going to be in it? Yep. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of that mentality. Yeah. That's that's the scenario that you, you know that you've got to think about. Unfortunately, with this whole thing. Number four. It's nearing the end of signature gathering period for the effort to put the recently passed fairness ordinance on the ballot in Lincoln during a special election. To get on the ballot, petition effort needs to collect 4,137 names in a 15-day time frame following the council action. Jack, are they going to hit this number? I assume so. I've seen them all over the place. I would be really surprised if they aren't. Uh, and I, I think they're probably going well above and beyond in case some names are, are found out not to be counted. When I was headed over to your house on Saturday, I saw people stopping to to sign the, the signature gathering effort um, outside of that Best Buy and that uh, that other store that's over in that area. The, yeah. Like Bible bookstore or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I think, I, I, I think the Nebraska Family Alliance and, and the effort behind this did a did a pretty efficient job, a pretty good job of mobilizing churches and some of those entities mm-hmm. to be a hub for this. I continue to wonder, you know, and and, and 
I don't know what's going to happen at the the vote for this thing. I really don't, and I don't know what kind of rhetoric is going to go. I mean, is it going to become a referendum on bathrooms? Is it? Um, is is that re- is that the big thing? That's a portion of what's happening with this, but it's a there's a lot more uh-huh. in in this as well. Does any of that? How does that play for the rest of the voters? The fact that you've got these other things on it as well. You know, I do. I, I honestly do want, have this question: why this wasn't written in a way that was more clear about protections for churches uh-huh. within this? It was. I, I think there is. Listen, from a legal perspective, I don't think churches are going to be held to be places of public accommodation. That's generally well-held law, and they probably are going to be accepted for it. But you could have been more clear about that Mm -hmm. that's probably where this is going anyway so i don't know why you why you die on that sword when you're writing this legislation exactly Uh and what i'm talking specifically about is is the potential exception from some of the whether it be the you know the public accommodation stuff whether that be the bathrooms whether it be you know rental of space using it for weddings and, Uh and those sorts of things i just think I think some of the other stuff in this is some of the stuff that's not getting discussed is so important. You know that one is going to be controversial. You know that's going to be, and you know, by the way, that probably in court they're going to win on those things anyway. Mm-hmm. Why not be explicit about? Compare the Omaha one to the Lincoln one. The Omaha one is more explicit about that. I've read them both. I'm not even telling you what. I'm not saying anything about what I believe what should happen with this stuff or right. shouldn't. I'm just talking about the way they're law in. and politics and the way you're written and the way that you could have avoided, I think, some of this. Not all of it, probably. Yeah. But you would have had a much harder time having, you know, you you wouldn't have seen pamphlets that said what they did mm-hmm. if you were more explicit about some of these things. Right. And especially what church and, and the churches, I think, were the ones who helped get a lot of these signatures. Yeah. You some see- did, some didn't. And by the way, some said... Some said, you know what, we want no part in this. Uh-huh. And it, it just depends on the church. And that and that's for any issue. That's not just the fairness ordinance right now. It's if you leave something that can be interpreted just enough or just vague enough the way it's written, you're probably going to have issues because it can be that slippery slope that people can take it down. Jim says language is supposed to mirror federal language. Not sure if that is true. No, well, I mean, the, the federal language doesn't have gender. It, the federal language doesn't have gender in it. Okay. Look at the Omaha. Look at the Omaha one, which does they did add gender into, but it's got a specific exception, which again is churches are. It is listen. You can't say anything with a hundred percent certainty, but look up the case law on this. Churches are rarely. If you're talking about public accommodation law, churches are rarely held to be that, and that's what they're not enumerated as one of the things that in the law that are included, but they're also not accepted. E x c e p e d. E-X-C-E-P. You know what I mean? Yes, that I one. That, that I one. That completely wrong. <laughs> so anyway, um, I, I, I think you could have been clearer on that. I think you could have been clearer on that, and and it would have had a, a better chance. For the, you'd have a better chance of, of actually getting this through this entire process and get some of the things that I think there are more, frankly, and get some of the things that I think there are more supportive. I think there's less of a hue and cry to say, hey, you know, Housing uh, owners of housing should be able to discriminate based on 
the defin- of the gender definitions right. that we've got. I think there's less of a uh, probably a, a controversy about that. Mm-hmm. But you get into those culture war issues, right, man? And just because those culture war issues that aren't, yeah. And because they've been out there gathering signatures and they've been very vocal and public about it. I think they're going to get to the 4,137 signatures. Yeah, I assume they will. But if the, but here's the thing. If they don't, I'd be interested to know how close it is. Cuz we see that with some some ballot initiatives and they just go, "Oh, we didn't get the didn't get the signatures." I also think that, you know, it'll be interesting too because let's I mean, let's be straight about it. The way Lincoln has voted over the course of the last several elections, it's been it's been fairly blue. If this is a partisan issue, the way those have gone, I don't know if this is a straight red-blue issue on this uh-huh. one. I don't know if it is or not, but if it is, it's an uphill battle to even if you get the signatures to get this right. thing overturned. Now, if you turn out, if you turn out more people, if you if it's a special election, maybe that that changes with the makeup of the turnout and those sorts of things. We'll see. So, we are still waiting for the number of signatures from the recall petition. Yeah. I mean, Ben just points out, I mean, we're still waiting on the number of yeah, signatures that's, that's from the my recall point. petition. They did, I don't think they had other entities mobilized like they do for this one. No, they didn't, and I don't I think, think they were close. I think that's it. So, all right, moving on. Number three. Lincoln Convention and Visitors Bureau, Downtown Rotary, and Downtown Lincoln Association have commissioned a study to look at the possibility of a dedicated convention center in Lincoln, the need for it, the cost, and potential location for such a facility. Spots were mentioned for a potential location, including the old Lincoln Journal Star location, Haymarket Post Office, that's a lot of red tape, near the Cornhusker Marriott Midwest Steel. And also the Telegraph District was the one I forgot to include. uh, Which one do you like best? Where where would you like to see it among those? Okay, so I'll go backwards. I'm not super interested in one right already by the existing Cornhusker. I understand there's potentially some Uh land that might work there, but that doesn't make sense for a variety of reasons to me, Uh given that the existing biggest space right now is right there. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe there's some thought that you can use them in tandem for something really big. Maybe that's the thought there. But to me, the ones, the two that that stick out to me would be that Haymarket Post Office. But you make a good point about red tape. That's a federally owned building uh-huh. at that point. But to me, that makes all the sense in the world with the location for variety. I think my number two choice would be the Journal Star location. But like I said when we were talking earlier about this, traffic's a little. I don't, I don't know. Is there is there going to be a weird, difficult traffic parking situation there, perhaps? Well, well, that's the thing is between the old Journal Star location and that Haymarket Post Office, those are, in my opinion, close enough to those all those parking garages, right? And they're also close enough to anyone who would want, if they were able to use the event parking that's across the pedestrian bridge from the Pinnacle Bank Arena yeah. over yeah, near the Haymarket Ballpark. Uh, my number three would be Midwest Steel, and that's like more in the South Haymarket area as well, walking distance to that as well, and and would kind of kickstart. I think some develop. I mean, I think Telegraph District is going to be cool, but I think, I mean, ten years from now, I might have a different answer. But as it stands now, not not right at this point yet. What so we're seeing now, my, though, is that, that they should have included the convention center as part of the Pinnacle Bank Arena. Yeah, but they, I think the concern was the price tag was going to keep people from voting it. They had to get it passed yeah. on the ballot, and people said it's too much 
I mean, they were already getting a lot of kickback because of the cost and the 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 occupation taxes that would go along with it. So that's why they did what they did. But yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier. You got a lot of towns, a lot of cities, a lot of towns in Nebraska that have bypassed uh, in terms of their in terms of a big facility yeah. for something like that. And no doubt there's a cost to it, but it's also an investment. I mean, you don't... The, well, there's an investment, a, and that's what you're evaluating. The, the, the way thing. people look at it, if they look at it as a cost, that's a negative. If you look at it as, as an investment, that's a positive. Right. So it's how do you view what the you're trying to get built. Cost-benefit analysis. Yep. Number two. Nebraska sports had a busy weekend across the board. Women's basketball closed the regular season with a win over Northwestern. Men's basketball split their Friday and Sunday games. Big victory last night at Penn State. Baseball was swept at TCU. Bowling made their Big Ten Network debut with a win over Valparaiso in the final of the Big Red Invite. Jack, obviously it wasn't baseball, but what was your favorite moment well, of the weekend? It's a little hard because I was at PBA for the women's for the game win, yeah. and watching. So... I thought that was going to be the high point between senior day and, and seeing the seniors come out. I stuck around and saw them awesome. after the games and, and Sam Hybe and, and Bella Cravens and Nicole Caton. By the way, um, get someone who, like, if you're Nicole, looking for someone sorry. to go play, play for, play for someone that's going to look at you on your senior day the way Amy Williams looked at those players. I don't know, just Amy Williams is pure entertainment at these games from how <laughs> fired up she gets to how frustrated she gets i mean worth the price of uh, admission alone incredibly easy to like coach and she's also getting some wins that was a big win so they're seated six but then i mean then nebraska basketball decides to take out all of the frustration of an entire year (laughs) and uh, and right all of the wrongs over a two-hour period somehow maybe spread some of that success out I didn't know. I felt like I was having a dream. <laughs> it was uh, it was amazing, but I was thrilled for them. So I'm going to say a tie for my first place favorite. But it's pretty cool to watch bowling also the, the on bowling, TV. Uh, to have Larry Putney on there, um, and you had and Bill Straub and Bill Straub, Bill Straub who sounds like Shaquille O'Neal. Oh my, yeah. I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. And they're breaking down all the shots, talking yeah. about all their old, seeing old pictures of Putney on the bowling team. It was great. And Trev Alberts joining the broadcast for a little yeah. bit. Very cool. I was. It was uh, all pretty good. Come on now, baseball. Let's get four. Let's get four this weekend. Okay, regroup. Yes. Let's get four this coming weekend. Number one. Uh, speaking of baseball, Major League Baseball Players Union. Well, they spent Sunday back at the bargaining table. Talks are scheduled to continue today. If they don't get something figured out today, you're looking at not hitting that March 31st. Start. I think they're going to get it done today. Do you? I think they're going to get it done today. I, I'm not that. You optimistic. can. I, at some point, you quit playing chicken, and none of them want them to to miss make regular season games. But that's what you're looking at at this point. So the players are more interested in the games than the owners. Yeah, they're going to be. It's going to be terrible PR for the owners though if they cancel games. That's your morning drive presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on KLIN. Oh, God, you turned my mic on for that? <laughs> I couldn't tell whether it was coming through the microphone or if you were just loud enough I for me not, to hear it through my headphones. I was not aware that it was, that was not, you were not intended to hear that, listeners. I felt bad that I was the only <laughs> one getting that. Apologies. Me and Tim got to enjoy that performance. It's hard not to sing along. It's hard not to sing along. I let you I just they... take, take the crescendo to the capital city. Started a new season of American Idol last night, Jack. 
Oh my gosh! What I think two thousand three <laughs> called it once. It's headline back. Is Kelly Clarkson Jeez. still on it? Uh, it switched networks. It's got four thousand hosts. Only show that I'm more surprised is still on is Grey's Anatomy, which is amazing to me. I, you know what? I've never seen that Masked Singer show. Oh, we watched and then it that at our thing house. hit headlines a couple. Uh, we weeks watched ago. it at our house. That is one of the. You do watch it? Okay. Well, again, and when your when your kids get older, you understand this that there is a there is a real difficulty finding the intersection of for me a four person household and things that people will at least somewhat enjoy watching on television and that is age appropriate forever <laughs> the, the the venn diagram of that is tiny and un, unfortunately or unfortunately mass singer is one of the things that fits in it so then you just it begs the question why can't sports be on all the time well they they are at our house yeah. i mean quite, luckily that's the other thing that is <laughs> that happens with at our also, house but i know not everybody has even sports in that in that venn diagram all of those shows are made for the 2 minute youtube clip anymore right or like it's just or viral streaming yeah, or facebook or whatever probably. and they're made to, and they're made to try and hit that that sweet spot in the venn diagram where family wants to be together to do something, nobody can ever agree on anything. There's about there's just a small there's a small area of television that we can all well, the, the enjoy next, that when your kids get next older. season's American Idol winner Jack Mitchell and he's just gonna sing Meet in the Middle on that's every, fine that's fine Instead every episode of you, every you, episode know, a rock version a pop version I know of you it, guys are country. still at the place where you're watching Paw Patrol or uh, Blue Bluesies or whatever it is <laughs> I was gonna say we don't watch adult TV in our house so. yeah. Bluey Look. and Encanto and uh, Euphoria and all of those things are the same. <laughs> <laughs> what's the annoying? What's the what's the terrible kids show today that you can't ke- stop hearing a drone of in your house right now? Uh, PJ Masks is real. We went. We're back around to that. So we did a PJ Masks phase. We're back around to PJ Masks. Um, I was actually telling Caleb in the break, like there's a the Trolls World Tour. There's a cover of um, the 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 rock troll does a cover of Crazy Train, and my daughter is obsessed with it. It is it is nothing in our house except for see that hey, wouldn't be that bad. Smart speaker see, again. Play Crazy Train from Trolls, <laughs> and it goes. I I I. And then get, she just she just takes off and she runs laps around the house, just, just jamming. Genius to that marketing. Get a little something in there for the parents instead of the ones that are just for the kids and are terrible. And yeah, that sounds like a positive way to use up that energy. I have heard. I have heard the cover of Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train. I would bet. 30 to 50 times <laughs> in the last 48 hours. And and part of me is like I should tell her to stop, but then try it. <laughs> and you're like, "No, I'll just listen. I'll just listen to this cover." You want to see a real crazy train? <laughs> hey, real quick, I want to see if you would vote the same way that I I did if if Lincoln and there's a lot of questions before this, but went went ahead with the convention center. What do you what do you want? You want the post office, you want the Journal Star building, you want the South Haymarket, you want the Telegraph District or you want like adjacent or next to the Cornhusker? Um, I mean, there's some, <laughs> that's an interesting question. That map is kind of fun to look at. Telegraph District is a little too far east for me. Um, it's not too developed far, enough. It's not developed enough. It's not built out. Ten it's, years later, maybe. It's a, yeah. And, and even that, like, kind of has, I'm seeing the telegraph. And if I remember, I feel like that's a little bit more of a residential type that's thing than I want. And I don't know if that's the greatest place for the convention center. Yeah. I, I am far more interested in, um, Cornhusker Journal Star. 
post office. To me, post office is a little too close to PBA, right? Um, I don't. I, this is just me. I don't have any idea be what a consultant suggests. Yeah, yeah, and. And I don't know how that works in other communities. I mean, I've been to, you know, seen the Nashville Convention Center type thing or um, been to those, you know, San Diego's Convention Center and, and all of that stuff. Um, they're big, awesome places. I don't know what the ultimate value of being attached to an arena is like that just that that misses me i just kind of feel like the trouble with that location is you got one side that enters into the haymarket area and then can stretch into downtown lincoln you got the other side that's train tracks right so it's kind of i mean you're backed up against a wall with how that works i'm i would be more interested in seeing like the cornhusker area kind of seems awesome to me because you have a connection between the state capitol building and state office buildings where you know right now there's not a whole lot going on so it might spur some you know retail or you know restaurant type growth there's a few well, restaurants you want it right next there. door to the existing biggest convention center it, right now it also it makes it kind of makes a link then between pba or between the university it forces you to kind of if you have a th- couple thousand people in town or 10,000 people, whatever, I don't know how big this thing's going to be, but for a convention, it forces them or allows them an opportunity to go walk through downtown. The General Star area, like that thing makes some more sense too because it's like kind of in the central between the downtown and the Haymarket to kind of connect the two for visitors. Um, I'm, That's my second favorite. That makes a lot more sense to me. I like the me. post office, but I, I'm realistic in knowing that, that negotiating that whole thing is going to be not easy. Yeah, and you told me it's probably already been going on for a the while. The fact so. that the post office is where it is doesn't make sense in 2022. Nope. I mean, there's post and and we were just talking about this during the break too. But the post office is closed almost every branch in town, uh, which is, I mean, that, that makes sense and it's a reflection of how the post office is being used in Lincoln. Um, but it also <laughs> kind of gives you the demonstrates the trouble, right? Which right. is they got huge parking for all their trucks right downtown. Right. They don't want to give away that land that they own, so. Right. Uh, we got a new state senator now. We, we out do of North Platte. We do. Uh, one day you're uh, hanging around in North Platte, just doing your business <laughs> at the bank, and then all of a sudden, a few <laughs> days later, you wake up and you've been sworn in. You're a state senator. <laughs> no, I'm debating bills, and my my <laughs> your vote is wildly important on wildly a couple of important. issues. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's great. so uh, continued legislative repercussions of of that. Uh, one of the things is it sounds like this the bill option to go forward with medical marijuana in some form which some critiqued as, as kind of being a poison pill, whatever. It's not happening, though, now, without Groney, right? Yeah, actually kind of interesting. Um, hearing was held last week. Uh, Senator Anna Wishart, who had sponsored the medical marijuana effort the last couple of sessions, took the bill over, right? So she jumped in and said, I'll take it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and is now the current sponsor of the legislation. Um, the hearing was held, and I don't think he had anybody testify in support. Um, it was... It this was, is a bad and, and she, You know, she kind of said, I'm taking it over with the intent to... To squelch it, right? Yeah. To sit on it, hold yeah. it, make sure it doesn't happen. This is a ballot so, measure now. Yeah, all um, all eyes toward November, or I guess July, right? Uh, is it July 1st for the deadline for signatures or something like that? Yeah, the so. deadline, but that'll be on the November ballot then. Yeah, right? but we got steps, right? I mean, it was on, they had the signatures once and then it didn't get we on the ballot. We got steps, yeah. So. Well, uh, boy, we, you got to make sure, it, you got to actually see that ballot, have it in front of you before I believe it's actually on Let's there. take that baby to print. 
print before we start Ooh, cashing geez. in discussion about how how much it'll pass. Uh, income tax, uh, a little, it, that income tax thing hit a little more resistance than I thought that it might with be, without being able to get over the filibuster. Is this uh, still a possibility? Well, I mean, it, yes. So, I mean, the bill advanced from general to select file. So first round debates done. Right. 41 votes, right? It was a waterfall of support sort of a thing after it um, actually got to cloture, but with the plan to continue to discuss, right? right. So here, here's the ultimate concern. There's a huge pretty large cost to the state for doing that. Um, there are a lot of questions about what we look like financially here in a couple of weeks, right? So the forecasting board meets quarterly, kind of says what revenues for the year look like, gives us an outlook for what it's going to be. And I think there's a lot of hope, knock on wood, that forecasts will demonstrate even more money, <laughs> even more money than what we think we have, which will will do two things. It lends some credence to the folks who want to cut taxes saying, look, we're already taking too much. And then on the flip side, it will also give the body a little bit more to work with in terms of, well, if we do the income tax cut, it doesn't take other things off the table. Uh, all right. So we'll, we'll continue to see about that. And then, you know, there's this, there's the ARPA money thing and this is going to become a deal. I mean, so much of this is focused on competing ideas for this. Of course, the, the water projects that have happened. But what, one of the things, that I didn't even realize that you said hasn't gotten a lot of attention and it hasn't is a proposal that's coming up soon for some discussion regarding basically just giving the money back to <laughs> Nebraska citizens. Yeah, well, we've talked a, we've talked a lot about ARPA over the last several months, you and I and anybody else who follows or is around the legislature. Um, the, the Appropriations Committee is now sort of at the tail end where they're diving into, they started with general fund stuff, expenses and proposals. They're now diving into ARPA head first. And there, there's a proposal up for hearing to tomorrow from Senator Ben Hansen that would it would take half the ARPA dollars what 500 600 million dollars and it would divvy it up on prepaid debit cards for every Nebraskan and you you it would mail you your share of the federal dollars to go spend at a Nebraska business so it's actually limited to oh to Nebraska locations and his idea it's they've done this in other states too which is kind of wild like I didn't even realize I think the state of Hawaii did this where they took you know, CARES Act or ARPA dollars put them on debit cards and mailed them to people and said you got to use this at a Hawaii restaurant would you because they were done, you know, it was at right. a time when tourism was was dead. Could so. I get a ruling at that hearing? Could I get a group together and pool my debit <laughs> cards and we would then build a lake with that money? Would that be acceptable? If we use Nebraska contractors only, <laughs> digging companies, you know. Sure, yeah. Hatcheries. I mean, I don't, think I don't know what all goes into that, but I'm sure I can figure it out. Outside of the, the bill's pretty Excavating. short. Bill's a pretty short bill because it's kind of a simple concept. And then it kind of gives the state treasurer's office, I think, or Department of Revenue, one of the two, some leeway in terms of structuring rules. So but but the idea is just you spend it in Nebraska. How many bucks would, would that be of the half of the ARPA funds? Roughly how much are we talking about? I don't know. What's. Five hundred million divided by what one point nine million? Well, yeah. So, so the, the but the dollars it's, number is fi- half of it would be five hundred million. Right? Yeah, five, five divided five by two million. Yeah, something like that. Five hundred millions to be conservative. Five hundred million divided by two. That's two hundred fifty bucks a person. There you go. At a Nebraska business. There you go. That includes kids. I mean, that's the entire population. So if the bill as it's drafted says, like, each one of your kids would get 250 bucks. Let babies decide what they want to do with their 200 It's their money. <laughs> yeah. Let yes. the babies decide. <laughs> Caleb, just hand your, hand your daughter the debit card and say, hey, 
go go wild, but do it in a Nebraska business. Please. I think Hawaii. How much in Kanto merchandise do you want? <laughs> Caleb's, Caleb's spending it at Disney. <laughs> Disney. Do you you want the family madrigal? You got the family madrigal. Oh man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how serious that proposal is in terms of like the likelihood, right? So how what the likelihood of spending that is, but it's an idea that's out there. I, you know, it's ambitious to say that you're going to get half of all the money or whatever that's out for ARPA. They might throw some money into something for taxpayers. Like I don't know. Like I said, it's been done in other states. Hawaii's done it. North Carolina's done it. I think there's maybe a couple other states that have done this sort of a program in some amount to to folks. Where are we at on Lake Gretna? Where are we at on? Or, or should we call it Dragon Lake? Ooh, Fire uh, Fire Lake. Yet to be determined. Um, like I, I said, I kind of like Dragon Lake. Most of those ARPA bills are still hanging out. It's unclear what the committee thinks they want to do. Here's the deal, too, and that's what's hard about it. That lake's not really paid for with ARPA dollars, right? So it's like fifty million of the two hundred or whatever that comes from ARPA. I think the mo- the rest of it's coming from rainy day funds, and I've at least heard from some senators who don't know that ARPA is necessarily the right place to find money for that. So if it gets done, I think it gets paid for Whatever, out of blah blah blah. Should we call it Dragon Lake money. or not? Do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> as good as anything else I got, Jack. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Tim. Have a good week. We'll check in next week. 825 Telling K today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. I like the local news because it doesn't get into all these politics. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. He's a five-time Nebraska Sports Writer of the Year. He asks the tough questions. But most importantly, he occasionally retweets Jack Mitchell. It's the Omaha World Herald's Dirk Chatelain. I'm so glad that it timed out that we have Dirk this morning. Um, you know, we've there's just been a question on my mind really for the last 12 or so hours, and I need an expert to answer it for me and and Dirk is here for for us now obviously in the in the sports media industry. So Dirk, I guess my my question is this. When Nebraska win men's basketball wins the Big 10 tournament, what seed are we looking at here in the NCAA tournament? Is it well, is like a 9-8 type situation? Well, that, that's what I think it's it's really going to put the committee in a conundrum because they have to decide um, you know, can they really can they really put a national title contender that low in the bracket? That's would it be that? Fair. Would it would it be fair to the other teams in the bracket? Yeah. Um, so so I almost think that they got to have them as a top four seed. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a serious dilemma for the selection committee. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. know. I know. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to cosplay for 24 hours. Okay, I get to do that. We get to do that if we want to. And so, yes, it's weird. It's goofy. It's a little much. I don't care. I'm spend. I'm enjoying the 24 hours. Jack was was that the greatest Nebraska basketball moment of the Fred Hoiberg era? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what, what? That or the last win at Penn State? I mean, we're not. It's not like we're talking about a real, a real deep, uh, deep catalog to go through here. So, yeah, I would, uh, I would think so at this point. It's just 
Between, I, I've now figured it out, though, between this, the Northwestern football game last year, and then actually two years ago, the Maryland football game, where it was just ridiculous, the, the Nebraska men's sports has gotten into a pattern where 364 days a year, it's going to be tough to be a fan. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be heartbreaking, gut-wrenching, all of those things, groin kicking, and then... And then the universe is going to try and pay everything back in a two-hour period. And I, I think I like it. I'm not even sure. It's confusing. I don't know what to do. It is weird. But, Dirk, that's clearly what's happening here. So Jack, we just got to wait for that one day. You and I, you know, last night on social media, we're playing off each other like John and Paul and the Beatles reunion. But, <laughs> Many people uh, have said that. <laughs> but, but, uh, but. But I, I want you to, to think of something that we haven't discussed, uh, and that is, can you imagine uh, the Penn State perspective on this? It's like, oh, 1 in 15 Nebraska is in town. Senior night. Uh, you know, senior night. This is going to be a, you know, a wonderful ceremony, and, you know, we're all going to have our group. Oh, Alonzo Birds just hit another three. C.J. Wilcher hit another three. Uh, this is going to strike terror, just terror, Jack, into every opponent uh, from here on out fearing that Nebraska uh, might beat them by 25 and immediately send them to the hot seat as a head coach. <laughs> there was a point, and I know you saw my tweet about this, there was a point about four minutes left in the game or five minutes left in the game, Nebraska's up by 27, and I, I said these words in my living room, why would you not shoot that three? And I was like, what kind of a bizarre world am I in right now? <laughs> Stop making the extra pass. Stop. Stop rotating on defense and just get the ball back. It was, so, it was so, we get one trip into absolute bizarro world that honestly feels a little bit, uh, just a little bit too indulgent, to be honest, but whatever, I'll take it. You know what's funny? What's funny is I, I wrote a column for yesterday's paper about, you know, the 10-year the, the demise. Nice timing, by the way. And the, the lost decade. I mean, clearly it was on Fred Hoiberg's bulletin board yesterday. It was the one... The one motivational force that actually worked this year. Um, but I was writing a sentence in that column. I don't think it made the final draft, but it said something to the effect of, you know, if Nebraska brings him back for a fourth consecutive 20 loss season and then has to pay him $11 million to go away, you know, that would be worst case scenario. And then it's like, you almost stop yourself sometimes and you're like, man, can you imagine like that sentence 10 years ago or 20 years ago? Like, right. Uh, this has gotten so bad uh, that that it's almost hard to fathom how bad it is. And then out of the blue, they just they sort of like snap back to something normal. Okay, so I want to do short term and long term here with this. But short term, like, was it just that they were making threes, or like, can you explain at all what happened last night? Well, I don't think you can attribute it to our coaches coming back. The pressure's off. Um, you know, I think ordinarily that might be the instinct, uh, trying to analyze it, but, you know, first of all, this is the second game since that decision was made, not the first. Uh, and secondly, I don't, I don't get the sense that there's, you know, like a, a Pelini like spell on this roster where, uh, you know, their entire, uh, self-worth was connected to their head coach's happiness. Um, so, so I don't think that was it. I think it was just, you know, it was you get a little bit of positive feedback early in a game, which they haven't had a ton of, I guess. I mean, they played okay in the first half against Iowa, but I mean, they were, they got off to such a good start 
that I think it just, you know, I think it just kind of energized everybody and gave everybody a sense of, um, a sense of confidence and, you know, positive reinforcement that they haven't had. And I mean, Jack, not to put a total negative spin on this, but, <laughs> but, but it is why we have Dirk on the show. But I, I, I think, and this is going to sound terrible, but I, I think last night was actually sort of an illustration of why this has been such a train wreck, right? Because clearly, clearly this, there's more, this team is capable of more than one in 16. I mean, we've seen some Nebraska basketball teams over the years, um, you know, where Ross Buckendall was in the starting lineup. And, you know, those felt like one in 15, one in 16 teams uh, in, in a major conference. This does not look like that and shouldn't play like that. And I think last night is as euphoric as it was for two hours. Uh, it was a reminder that, that this has been just a terribly underachieving basketball team. So, and by the way, I read your column, and I, you know, I I agree with it, and and I, I'm still I'm still getting blowback for this, but I felt like you had to really strike while the iron was hot for a time, and it was going to start to to have costs in terms of the fan base and those sorts of things, and I thought taking your time on that would be problematic and it was but nonetheless um without getting into that whole whole debate once again now that the decision has been made they're going forward um you know again we sort of uncontroversial kind of for the most part um on this whole thing i'm still just trying to figure out as the the thing that you thrive on as a fan is just hope right hope even if it's it's a small but hope that this is the year that something changes this coming year. We got new guys coming in. I'm excited to see them. Like, what does that, what's the best case scenario coming into that season for having that sort of hope? Like, does that well, exist? It, it is a serious test of, of fans engagement. Um, and you're, you're going to be the ultimate test case for this. So we yeah, might am. as well just strike you to a heart monitor every day or something <laughs> like that. Um, but, but you're right. I mean, you know, this, I mean, I'll just lay it out. There are very few, you know, programs in the country that would have brought Fred Hoiberg back or, or brought a coach back with, with uh, the three years that Nebraska just experienced. Um, and I think, you know, it's not just, it's not just the futility that they've had. It's also the inevitable roster turnover um, sort of, you know, Jack, you're not the only one in my life who's like a diehard Nebraska basketball fan. I and mean, I'm surrounded by, mm-hmm. you know, people like you. Uh, my brother might be the one of the biggest Nebraska basketball believers that I know. And, and you know, you guys are just disgusted by the fact that they don't do any of the little things right. And the little things are, are you know, usually the, sort of the building blocks for, for progress and improvement. You know, they're not it's, – it's selfishness. It's not um, – you know, it's not exerting themselves on defense or getting back or, you know, all the little things that are sort of necessary to, to make progress, you know, they don't do. So I'll be honest, I just, I don't see a, a path forward for the program. Um, you know, I think Fred's going to have to make dramatic changes on his coaching staff, but if you do that, how do you attract, you know, someone in here who uh, probably knows that it's just a one-year experiment? Um, you know, you can't you can't bring back all these guys and the guys that you want to keep you might lose anyway. I mean it's just it's a really tough situation. 
Um, so as, as great as last night was, I don't think it changes the long-term prognosis very much. Yeah, no, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't either. I mean, honestly, what you have to do is start and, and be clear about it is we're starting to, to actually build, right? It, and we're not, it's not going to be a reload year, year and year out again and, and changing it. We, we are, go- this thing is going to have to be built over a course of time and that's going to be, that's going to be hard, but I mean, that's what's going to need to happen. It's hard for two reasons. One, it's hard to persuade your fans that you're actually going to do that the right way when Fred has never done it that way. I mean, even at Iowa State, you know, it it was always, um, you know, sort of the turnstile. Who's who can we get in here quick to fix it? Uh, And then and then secondly, you know, there's just there's no um, how do you tell people, okay. Uh, I, you know, we, we know that we told you to be patient three years ago, but, but we actually are, are going to start that right now. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's like having kids in the car and, you know, time out starting now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, Jack, I mean, it's, you know, I, I thought, Fred, I thought Trevor Albert, this was the first time he made a decision that I thought was publicly unpopular, um, mm-hmm. in seven, in seven months on the job or eight months now. Um, and so, you know, that, that, I don't, I don't know if it puts it on him. I think it's still, you know, Fred's responsibility to get it done. But, uh, I, I do think that this was met with, with considerable scrutiny, uh, even, even in the somewhat, you know, um, apathetic state of the Nebraska fan base. Um, let, let's switch over to football, spring football getting going here this week. Uh, I'm just, cause I, like I say, hey, I'm excited for spring football this year. But I don't even know what that means. Like, I don't know what I'm excited. It's not like I'm going to be there, right? Watching, if I were, that would be exciting. I guess what we're, when we say that, we're, we're interested in hearing, I guess, from the coaches more frequently. I mean, how would you, how would you quantify as somebody who obviously deals in, deals in excitement and, and people wanting information as it, as it pertains to spring football? What is it about spring football, you know, if anything, that's compelling to you as we get into it? <laughs> that's still like a trick question, Jack. Why, why do you set me up like that? What, Dirk, why do you love I want to – listen, football? my entire life is trying to get me to be excited about things, <laughs> is trying to figure out ways. And so I'm going to see if you can do that. Because I say that, I'm like, yeah, I'm pumped. Spring football will be interesting this year. But then I'm like – well, I'm, you know, I, I'm excited to hear the, I guess, the practice reports and stuff that Caleb will do. That'll be good. But yeah, no, but what is spring football? Let's, I mean, let's be let's be honest. I mean, I think, you know, anytime Nebraska has um, mystery and uncertainty at quarterback, it it creates a more interesting spring. So I think you have to start there. Um, this will be one of the more compelling quarterback springs, you know, that I can remember. Um, you know, the rest of the roster, I think it's just, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's offensively, they've got a lot of work to do. They've got to figure out how to run the ball. They've got to rebuild an offensive line. Um, you know, defensively, they've got a lot of a lot of young faces that, that have to step up. Uh, you know, I mean, as we've talked about, they probably lost seven of their 10 best players. And, you know, so you're, you're missing some of that veteran leadership and sort of the prominent old faces that you got used to, especially on – uh, especially on defense, and so you know, I think I think if you're interested in just sort of the the nuts and bolts of program progress, and you know, building depth, uh, and and 
you know, get intrigued by new faces. I think this is a pretty good spring. But if you're just a surface level uh, Nebraska football spring fan, um, which you know I would probably put myself in that in that category, I think the quarterback thing is is yeah. the draw, right? Um, and and honestly, it's not just the quarterback draw; it's also figuring out. Uh, you know, how do you get all these these new guys on offense to work together? Right. Um, and, and I think just from a just from a sort of a, a corporate building standpoint, that's a that's a pretty compelling compelling angle to me. Right. I, it's just that I, I am I am interested. I'm excited. I, I'm curious about the new team. And then I start going down that road, and then I'm like, yeah, but man, I, I'm going to hear these things, and am I really going to believe it is positive? And you know, and all of that thing and you know just hope you don't have injuries but i I, I think i I think what you have to do i'll I'll just make this this quick point i think you know rather than breaking it down into oh it's going really well or oh it's going really poorly i think you know you just have to you just have to kind of look at it from a um from the standpoint of they have a lot of challenges you know they have a lot of the task in front of them is pretty uh is, is pretty considerable and, and, you know, so if you, even if you hear things are going really well, you sort of have to put that in the context of, uh, well, you know, yes, but they're coming off three and nine and, you know, the other 13 teams in the big 10 are practicing too. And they're trying to put all these pieces together on a very short notice. So, you know, you kind of have to grade it on a curve, I think, even when you hear something positive. Yeah. Uh, we'll have more on that. Uh, okay. Last but not least, I want to, this is basically what we do on Twitter, but I want to, I want to read a tweet. You probably saw it from yesterday that, that I, that came to me while I was watching Nebraska women's basketball at PBA yesterday. And, and I've been thinking a lot about sort of fan engagement. You know, I know there, that's been a big topic and, and we've talked about it as it pertains to men's basketball, less so with football, but men's basketball and some of the other sports. And I, I, I came up with this. I said, want a bought in fan base? Get a team with a combo of some level of success, diverse, likable personalities, a roster with a bunch of names you recognize at the beginning of the year, some local flavor, and a coach that appears to be, I said, having the time of his or her life. I said, so far, Nebraska women's basketball and volleyball really check every box with that. What do you think about that? I think you're dead on. Uh, And it's sort of the way that it used to be, frankly. Um, And I don't know... I don't know why that's been so elusive, so elusive uh, in men's sports at Nebraska, uh, but but those two programs that you referred to are are really hitting it, um, you know. And it's I think continuity is part of it, local flavor is part of it. A coach who sort of you know gets the fan base and yeah. wears his or her emotion on on her sleeve helps, um, mm-hmm. you know. And and then Jack, it's just. It's. I don't know how you feel about this, but it just feels like, man, if you give people just a little bit of sense of, again, uh, th- that it's going well, yeah. right, that it's on the right path, it's like the, the positive energy just like sort of overwhelms the environment, right? And it's like, and I think that's that's contagious, obviously, on a team, but also in a fan base. Uh, I just feel like if these if these programs can just get it going a little bit, right, just right. just a little bit. I feel like uh, momentum might take over from there. I, I was just sitting there yesterday watching that women's game, and I was like, this is how I felt about the Nebraska men's basketball teams that I really loved. And yep. and because I didn't, you know, and because, frankly, it wasn't exposed very much, and because I'm sure of my own biases, is it, you know, about sports, I never had, you know, I, I just 
didn't allow or didn't feel that way about women's sports. I think it's a combination of factors. But I was sitting there yesterday. I was like, man, this team is so cool. There's, I mean, there's just, there's such a great variety. I love the personalities. It's, and, and that's how I was about volleyball too. And I started to think about that. And, you know, I, uh, and, and that's what they've done right. That, I mean, that's what it was yesterday. I feel about that, that team and enjoy that team the way that I enjoyed my favorite Nebraska basketball teams. And, yeah, and, and that's where and, I am right now. Yeah. And, it, and it, I don't even Men's. know if it has to be an every year thing. I think it can kind of cycle, you know, like this women's basketball thing is, is sort of cycling up right now. And then, you know, I think people kind of understand that, that there's going to be really good years and, and maybe not so great years. But, but as long as like the identity is the same and the culture is the same and, you know, like you said, the faces are kind of the same and you kind of get to know players. Uh, I just think it becomes a lot easier to get behind it. So, yep. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if baseball can figure it out. I mean, they had a, a really rough weekend and have had a rough start. But you know, you might identify some of those characteristics in the baseball program, yep. like, like like last year. Those are all. Uh, the, but, those are all there if they win. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think the, those two women's programs right now um, are are certainly um, just just really easy to root for. Uh-huh. And, and you know, on a on a again surface level, it's because they're they're pretty darn good. Uh, they know who they are. And, uh, you know, they just they just give off that vibe that they kind of yep. uh, that they like playing together. All right. I got to run, Dirk. We'll talk next week all right, about all the Omaha Metro teams being upset in Class A boys by Lincoln teams <laughs> and the uh, Lincoln flavor of the Class A state tournament. So get ready for that. Sounds great. All right. We'll talk to you later. Save 56 on KLIN. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com.